This is the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our service at North Shore Vineyard on Sunday, October 9th. And this is a continuing message in a series we've been in called Rest, Rhythm, and Reflection. And this message is called Life Together. looking into what it means to actually not go it alone in life, but to have sincere friendships, authentic relationships as we pursue after Christ. Just a reminder, we're going to be also doing Fall for Art this coming Saturday, the 15th of October. We're shutting down our block for a block party, so we're going to have music, art galleries, set up in our church and uh, our children's church across the street. Lots of fun. Come out and join us. And then on the 23rd, we're having a chili cook-off at the Boga Flya Park, uh, canceling our Sunday service and moving everything over there. So lots of great stuff. Details at our website, so check that out, northshorevineyard.org. All right, let's head over to the talk. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard. All right, how y'all doing? Bueno. Well, our doing two service things is working splendid right now that we've hit Saints season. So, um, like, we're actually fine. I think this is, we may have had more people at the first service than the second service today. So, um, so, um, that's working good. You know, I love this time of year for, for several reasons. It's fall, and it's an end to the summer. Woot. <laughs> and it's also time for football. And one of my favorite things watching, you know, with, with watching NFL football, especially at the beginning of the year, is you get to see all these these players from college that – you know, the first round draft picks and all these different people who have all this hype surrounding their skills as uh, football players, and now they've been recruited to play for teams. And uh, sometimes that works out fabulously, right? But have you ever seen like a, a, a top recruited football player from college who once they get into the major leagues, they just don't do that great? You ever seen that happen before? Like, they can't live up to the hype. There was a guy that played for the New Orleans Saints a few years ago that was kind of... Um, uh, <laughs> and sometimes we find that these, these Heisman Trophy winners or these, these, these people that have all this hype around them, actually the hype, it, it's bigger than their contribution to the game. And what we find is that, that many times these guys, that are, they're, they're so brilliant and so talented, but yet when it comes down to it, they can't play with other people. And so they have not very long careers in the NFL. Uh, you know, because really when it comes down to it, I, I'm not, I never played football in high school or anything. I was, I was on the swim team. That's a, and I had, a, do we have any people on the swim team? All right, yeah. See, I've, I've got these really like feet that are dish, disproportionately large compared to my body, and they're flat, and so it was like flippers, like it was God had given me a competitive advantage there, but um, so, so my, my commentary on football is, is kind of as an outsider, but, but I will say this, as little as I know about football, you can have the most skilled players, you can have the best coach, you can have the best facilities, you can have the best playbook of calls to play, but if you don't understand how to work as a team, 
then you can throw all that stuff out the window, right? We've seen that. We've seen that happen in sports all the time. You get brilliant. I, I used this example a while back, but remember the, the, the dream team of, of college basketball that went to the Olympics? That was the dream team. And then a few years later, they had what they called the nightmare team. And these were made up of, you know, the combined salaries of all these players could have probably, you know, bought a third world country. But yet when it came to playing basketball, they, they all had too much egos. They couldn't play together. And so I want to use that kind of picture as we look at the the text we're looking at today, which is Galatians 6, 1 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to uh, the church he started in Galatia. He writes this, My dear family, if someone is found out in some trespass, then you, the spiritual one, should set a person right in a spirit of gentleness. Watch out for yourselves. You too may be tested. Carry each other's burdens That's the way to fulfill the Messiah's law. If one of you thinks you are something when you are not, you deceive yourself. Every one of you should test your own work, and then you will have reason to boast of yourself, not of someone else. Each of you, you see, will have to carry your own load. What I noticed when I was playing sports you know, as a teenager is that oftentimes you get somebody on the team that's really good at it. And I, it usually wasn't me. And, uh, uh, so playing football, you'd have somebody who's really skilled at it and, and maybe they would throw the ball to me and it'd be my turn to run. And because I'm not very good at football, I would botch the play. And what would that mean? I, I would get attacked by the other players. Like, oh, you, you know, you're so stupid. Why didn't you, why did you run? Why did you do that? Has anybody else ever had something happen like that? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm being vulnerable here. I'm kind of working through my issues in public. But uh, that's kind of the way that things are a lot of times, is that when you play team sports, if somebody drops the ball, somebody does a boneheaded move, somebody makes a mistake, our natural tendency is to, dude, you blew it. You're stupid. I can't believe that. You should have got that. But Paul is saying right here, he's saying, it's not supposed to be that way in the church. In the church, if somebody, if my friend Ryan here is, is caught in a trespass, I don't go, dude, you're stupid. I can't believe, I, th- that's dumb. Like, why'd you do that? I mean, out of all the things you, like, or I don't just ignore him or exclude him, <laughs> kick him off the team. But Paul is saying, I go to him, and we talk about it, and I, and I, I help him. <laughs> and, 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 and I keep in mind that what he's struggling with, I may not be struggling with it on you know, Sunday, October 9th, but I may be struggling with that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I may fall prey to that same thing uh, a little bit down the road. You ever notice sometimes that you've, you ever judge somebody for something they're doing stupid only to find out that down the road you ended up doing the same thing when you're given the same opportunity? And Paul is saying, don't look down on people when they're struggling. Look to bear their burdens. Help them out. You know, bear one another's burdens together. Paul is saying, we've got to understand something about this life together. Now, we're, we're in a series here called Rhythm, Rest, and Rejoicing. And this is a series we've been in for a few weeks. Uh, it's, it's on rest. And so you might be thinking, what the heck does this have to do with rest? I'm, I'm hearing analogies from sports and, and togetherness and sin, but what's that actually got to do with rest? Well, I, you know, we've dealt with several things along the way. Like we we've, we've need to get, you know, learn how to simplify our lives, cut out 
you know, maybe some of the things that, that are, are wants but not needs. We need to create margin in our schedules and in our uh, wallets. You know, we need to create room so we can be a blessing and so we can actually have downtime in our lives. But, you know, one of, one of the reasons I think that people are, are more burned out and stressed out than anything is because you're trying to live life alone. You're trying to do this thing by yourself. And, and honestly, it's the water we swim in in this culture. I mean, it's like America, out of any culture in the history of the world, is individualistic. You know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You make something out. You carve out your own destiny. But that can't work in the kingdom of God. You know, one of my favorite places to go is Colorado. I went there for my honeymoon. I've, I've, been, I, I've managed to go to a retreat in Colorado for about the last eight years, and it's, it's kind of the highlight of my year. But in Colorado, they have these things called aspen trees. Anybody seen aspen trees before? They've, aspen trees are so famous, they've got a, a town named after them, uh, Aspen, Colorado. And, uh, but aspen trees are beautiful. You can see, like, Ansel Adam pictures with, with these aspen trees and... and uh, they're some of my favorite trees, and, and actually in the fall, their, their leaves turn this gold color, and, and to hear the wind kind of blowing through the mountains and rustling through the aspen, dude, it's like it doesn't get any better than that. And, and I could go up to Colorado this fall and go look at the aspen trees and, and, and be just in awe of them and think, wow, you know, I love these things. I want some of those in my yard. And so I could get some aspen um, seedlings and, and bring them back to Abita Springs, Louisiana, dig me a ditch and, and make sure that the soil's all prepared right and there's for- fertilizer and everything you need to grow a healthy plant. But you know what? That aspen tree's not going to grow <laughs> in Abita Springs, Louisiana. Actually, aspen trees, they only grow at a certain elevation in a certain climate. I mean, same reason, like, you're not going to accidentally stumble across a, a cypress swamp tree in the desert. It just doesn't happen. And I think this is, this is part of our, our misunderstanding when it comes to the Christian life. We, we get some things about, like, oh, yeah, we need to read our Bibles and pray and serve and be involved in, in church and stuff. But we, we fail to understand context. We fail to understand that you can do all those things just like a... a a, a football team can have all the greatest players, all the talent, all the coaching, but unless they understand the context of a team, all that stuff you can throw it out the window. The same thing goes for our Christian life. You know, when I first became a Christian many years back, uh, I had given my all to be hedonistic before I met Christ. I was like, I'm going to be hedonistic with all my heart. And so I did that. I did that thing, and I... I, I Gave it everything I had. And when I was done with that and decided to follow Jesus, uh, I thought, I'm going to give following Jesus everything I've got. The only problem is I took the same mindset that I had from being outside of Christianity, and I applied it into Christianity. So I thought being the best Christian meant just reading my Bible, praying a lot, going to church, serving, worshiping, all these things that, that we do. The only problem is I, I didn't understand the context. It was kind of like trying to plant an aspen tree in a bead of springs. I was trying to go it alone. And so those first two years I was a Christian, man, I was as disciplined as you can imagine. I went to Bible college for a couple of semesters. And after Bible college, I'm, I'm, you know, I interned with a missions group. And I interned with a church. And every day, I mean, my, I was like 
rigidly disciplined. I mean, as soon as I wake up, I would turn on some worship music and I'd read a devotional. I'd read three chapters out of my Bible. I'd worship while I was taking a shower. I'd go to church and I'd, I'd pray for an hour. And I'd, every time the church was open, I was involved ministering. But yet after two years of doing all that stuff, I wanted to quit. I was like, this thing stinks. I'm like working as hard as I can. And I feel like, dude, I was having more fun when I was doing drugs and waking up with a headache and, you know, the next morning. I, 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 what is missing? And I remember God began to really deal with some of this stuff. And I, I was on the worship team at this one church that I used to be at. And I remember one night coming to a, a worship band practice and our worship leader at the, you know, before we were practicing, he's like, eh, let's not practice tonight. Instead, why don't we break up into groups of guys and girls and let's just pray for each other. I'm like, oh, cool. So I go sit down with this group of guys. And, and some of these guys have been Christians for 20, 30 years. I mean, so they, they've been involved in this thing for a long time. And as they began to share, they began to share their struggles. Their struggles with sins that I was struggling with. And in that moment... <laughs> I got to tell you, I was three years into being a Christian. <laughs> three years. That's the first time that I'd ever heard anybody admit to struggling with some of these things that I was struggling with. And at first I felt relieved. I was like, dude, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. There are other human beings, actually other human beings who've been Christians for decades who are struggling with these things. Whew. But you know what? After that, I got kind of mad. <laughs> It's taken me three years to figure out that anybody else had a problem with any of this stuff. Because you know what happened to me? I would come to church every weekend and I would see shiny, happy Christian people. How you doing? Oh, blessed, brother. How are you? Oh, hallelujah. I'm doing great too, brother. And I just thought by looking at everybody else, I took them at their word. I took them by what appeared to be so on Sunday morning. I just thought... These are all perfect people. They've all figured out something that I haven't figured out. Because I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm serving, I'm worshiping, and yet I feel like I'm dying on the inside. What God began to show me is, while I understood a lot about Christian disciplines, I didn't understand anything about context. And you can have all the fertilizer and water and sunshine, and, and until you get that context right, you're not going to grow as a Christian. God began breaking me out of an individualized Christian faith into one of living life together. Now, I have to say that the church that I was at in those first years, I think they began to, to understand the need to have, you know, to, to, to try to implement these verses that Paul was saying, you know, in, in, in Galatians uh, chapter 6. And so their answer was, we need accountability. You ever heard that before? We need more accountability in our lives. And, you know, on the surface, that sounds good. But I want to tell you the dark side of accountability. Ready? You don't hear too many messages in church of the dark side of accountability. But <laughs> here's what accountability looked like where I was. I was overseeing a few small groups. And so what they said was, here's what I needed to do. I, I had a checklist. And I would take this checklist and I would call up the three people that were, I was overseeing different small groups, and I would say, okay, were you reading your Bible this week? Yeah, okay. Praying? Yeah. How's your thought life? Your, your thoughts pure this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would go down a list of about 20 things with three different leaders. And then sometime that week, I would get a call from one of the pastors, and, and he would go down the same list with me. 
And on the surface, this sounds like, oh, that's great. You're trying to, to help each other figure out, you know, to, to, to keep your thought life pure and encourage one another. And, but you know what? It really did. In theory, it seems to work. But in reality, it taught me how to lie to Christians. <laughs> you may have experienced that before. It taught me how to, so not only was I having a problem with lust and anger and, and you know, addictions and, and all this stuff below the surface, but now I was learning how to lie to Christians. See, the, the, the one thing that, that that mode of accountability doesn't take into account is that a lot of sins are shameful, right? I mean, I can admit, I don't have a problem admitting that you know, maybe last night when I was at Sorelli's Pizza, I probably shouldn't have eaten that last slice of pizza. Like, that might have been sin. <laughs> that might have been gluttony. I might have been stepping. I can admit that. I can admit sometimes, like, when I'm driving to New Orleans and somebody pulls out in front of me, I got angry. Might have even said something I shouldn't have said, you know, in the privacy of my own car. I can admit that. Because I think we're all okay with admitting that stuff. But when it comes down to, I'm jealous that a friend of mine got a job promotion. I'm jealous that this person's doing better on this thing. Or I'm struggling with pride or lust. I've got feelings inside that are going around. You know, I'm not... Real hip on sharing those things with other people. Why? Because I'm ashamed of them myself. What I need is not a policeman calling me up to see if I'm following all the rules. I need a genuine friend in my life that I'm doing life with. And that's where I see the breakdown of, of you know, I've seen in the last 15, 20 years, there's been so many messages. We need more accountability in our lives. We need more, but we don't need policemen in our lives. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying you need policemen in your life. You need authentic companions in the gospel that are heading the same direction, who you're doing life with. We need companions in the journey. I call this the fellowship of the king. We need friends who are heading the same direction. You know, i got to have people in my life that take seriously what Jesus said about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. I need people in my life that are trying to actually do that. <laughs> I need to surround myself with people that, that are trying to live as if what Jesus said actually means something, that they actually have the Spirit of God in their lives and they actually believe it matters. I need to surround myself with those kind of people. I don't need to surround myself with police officers. I need folks who recognize their own need for grace and relationships in Christ. You know, part of my problem with some of the accountability that I experienced was it seemed that a lot of the people that were calling and checking on me had no sense of needing the grace of God in their own lives. And so it wasn't a very good scenario that it set up. I got to tell you, this point in my life, I'm not alone in what I'm doing. And I got to tell you, I know a lot of pastors that are alone. alone. I, I, I think actually in America, pastoring is, is, is one of the most lonely places. And I don't think it's the fault of people. I think it's the fault of pastors and the way we've done this thing. But I can tell you, I am so thankful that the way I'm doing church right now, that, that this phase of my life, that, that I have people in my life. If I would have started a church 10 years ago, dude, I... 
it, it had been a mess, more than it is now. Uh, <laughs> since we got it so together right now uh, on all fronts. But, uh, but I can honestly tell you I'm not alone. I used to be alone. I used to not have anybody in my life I've, I could actually do life with. But that's not the case right now. Every week, I got friends, some people in this church, some people out of this church, some people who live in other states. I got people that I can process my journey, my fears, my struggles with without you know, them saying, dude, you're stupid. I can't, you told me you were struggling with this a year ago. You haven't fixed it yet? <laughs> the people that will just accept me as I am and encourage me in the direction of Jesus. That beats the heck out of accountability, at least the way that some have experienced it. We need to be intentional to, to have these, de- these relationships develop in our life. But we need to realize that they're organic. Uh, I've, I've used this analogy on plenty of occasions. I'll use it again. Uh, if you are planning, if you're trying to get flowers in your flower bed, or if you're trying to grow tomatoes in your garden... Do you just take the bag of seeds and just toss it out there and hope that it comes up? <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know any serious gardener. That, that, that's not a good strategy if you want things to grow. You actually dig a hole. You get some good soil. You pull the weeds up. You, you, you plant the seeds. You water it. You make sure there's sun. You, you do a lot of things to care for that. Now, when that plant actually grows... Do you have anything to do with it growing? I mean, you can't cause it to grow. You're not the process of life. But you are intentional in creating a place where that life can happen. In the same way, that's our Christian life. We don't make the life happen. We don't make transformation happen in our life. We don't make spiritual fruit happen in our life. We create a context in which that can happen. And the context is being intentional in our relationships with one another. Uh, one of my favorite passages, if you're looking for something to stick up on your uh, mirror or your refrigerator, this is a good one. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. This is from the Message Translation. Jesus speaking. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I I love, every time I read that passage, I'm like, ah, that feels so good. (laughs) Jesus, come to me. If you're weary, you're burned out, you're going to find rest for your soul. Let, you know, the, the actual translation is, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is this thing that, you know, you put around a horse or an ox and, and they use it. And, and Jesus is saying, you know, put, put that on me and walk with me. We're going to get work done, no doubt, but you're going to be rested in your work. Who wouldn't like more of that in your life? To work, to do stuff, but actually to be rested and renewed in it. You know, one thing I can find is when I'm starting to get stressed out <laughs> and burned out, I've got to look at my relationships, because a lot of times it's because I'm pulling away from other people and I'm going it alone. A lot of times the, the, the place of burnout in my life is that 
I begin to do things, I begin to fall back in that rut of doing life all by myself. That's a bad place to be. I want to share a couple of stories, actual stories, stories uh, from Dina, my wife. Uh, Dina. <laughs> Perfect timing. Uh, from Dina and myself, where we've experienced this kind of living the Christian life together with other people, it, just in recent months. I could, I could share stories from the past several years, but these are a few current stories, and they involve people in this church, so I think that's always good. Um, a few weeks back, Dina was going to a certain event, and she was at this place, and she was talking to a guy who he was mentioning a church on the South Shore called Vintage. And she said, oh, do you mean Vineyard? We used to be a part of a church called Vineyard on the South Shore. He's like, no, it's called Vintage. She's like, oh, okay. Well, I go to a church uh, called North Shore Vineyard. He goes, oh. And he began to say some not-so-great things about the pastor of that church without realizing (laughs) that she was married to the pastor. (laughs) And... uh, and I'm not going to say what they are, just in case anybody else is feeling that. I don't want to affirm that. Uh, <laughs> and these weren't things that he, he, these were things that he'd heard from another friend of his who uh, I guess had come here or something. And um, so she says, well, that's, that's my husband you're talking about. Expecting that at that point, he would probably go, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, my bad. I, I shouldn't have said that. But he didn't. He got out the shovel, and he just kept digging and kept digging. And Dina is sitting there, and on the inside, she's going, why don't you just shut up? You're not making this any easier. And, and she left that evening feeling very frustrated. Now, I get home later that night. I was at a meeting up here at the church, and and she told me the whole situation. I'm like, babe, look, you know, I, I realize what we're doing here in this little part of Covington, it's going to resonate with certain people. Certain people, they're not going to like it at all. And, and I'm cool with that. I don't take it personally. Uh, you know, and I was like, I, I'm, you know, they, they go to a little bit different kind of church than us. So I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit different. And uh, so I, I, I wasn't offended, but she just... She just couldn't let it go. You know, it was, it was kind of eating her up on the inside. It kind of kept her up a little later that night than she needed to be. Well, a couple of days later, she was going back to this place again and she, where she knew this guy was going to be. And, and all of a sudden, like, she had been talking to God about these things, but these feelings just started kind of welling up on the inside. And, and she knew, like, wow, if, if, this, if I get around this guy and he says some stuff like that again, I'm liable to not represent Jesus very well at all. And um, so in that moment, and I, I was proud of her for doing this, she, she texted a lady named Mary that goes to our church, and she said, Mary, please call me in the next 10 minutes. If you don't call me in 10 minutes, forget it. It's too late. <laughs> so Mary calls her, and they begin to talk and pray, and immediately something was broken. You know, immediately she felt empowered to, to go into the situation that she was kind of not looking forward to. And you know what happened? This is the cool thing. This guy comes up to her and says, you still mad at me? She's like, yeah. She wasn't a jerk about it, which 
had she not got in touch with Mary a few few minutes before, she might have said, <laughs> yeah, now, now that you mention it. Uh, <laughs> but she's like, yeah, I, what you said was very hurtful. And um, this guy, he said, you know, it's like I had no business saying that. He's like, I, I've never been to your church. I don't know your husband. I was just saying something I heard from somebody else. I had no business at all sharing that. And he's like, that was my bad. Will you forgive me? And Dina said, yeah, I forgive you. You know what else he said? He said, you know, so the reality is, he said, we're on the same team. We may be going about this a different way, but we're on the same team. I was like, wow. Nina comes home that night. She goes, my faith in the church was actually restored a little bit. Because <laughs> I tell you, being in ministry for 15 years, you don't see that stuff happen often. And she's like, I actually have hope for the church. I've got a glimpse that it, it, it's pretty cool that I mean, they obviously go to a, a much different kind of church than us, but we're on the same team. We don't have to do things the same way or even believe all things the same way, but we're in this together. We, we all believe. And, and I thought that was a wonderful thing. But you know what? I, that conversation that she had with that guy, it probably wouldn't have happened like that had she not called Mary. But you know what? She wouldn't have called Mary if she hadn't been getting together with Mary for months before that. You know, so the truth is, her and Mary, they've, they've been getting together once a week, you know, maybe every other week sometimes, but they've just been getting together to, to talk about God, encourage each other in their faith. I mean, nothing like, it's not like some organized small group thing. They just, they're doing life together. And because of that, when Dina was in a really bad spot, what was her instinct now? It was to call up her friend. I had a similar thing happen to me a few months back, uh, back in June. Uh, I, I realized that this year, kind of on the church planning side, the, the pastoring side, uh, it's been very gradual, the increase of, of work in my life. You know, the first year, I was kind of looking for things to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you got 20 people, like, okay, what can we do? Uh, but things gradually ramp up to the point where you don't even realize it. And by April or May this, this year, I was just really getting to where I was doing way too much stuff. I mean, I, 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 was, I had my hands in way too many things. I was getting really tired. And then on top of that, we had some, some you know, crisis stuff happen in our family. And it just added this whole other thing on top of all of that. And I found by June, uh, I was starting to get really tired and burned out. Actually, I inspired this this whole series we're in uh, uh, called Rest. Uh, but uh, that's another story. But in the midst of all this, we had been looking for another building because if you're new here, um, that section back there where y'all are sitting didn't used to exist. That used to be a children's room. We had a wall there. and But previous to that, we were looking at a building a few blocks from here that was like 7,000 square foot. So we we're like, yes, we can go back down to one service and we got plenty of room to expand and all that. The only problem was the building cost a lot of money. And I, I, I brought up the thing to the guy that he could give it to us for free if he wanted. And uh, he didn't take me up on that. But, uh, but it got to the point where one day I'm, I've been having this teaching team. We started a teaching team back in January and basically, after a year of trying to come up with the messages all by myself every week, and, and uh, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit extroverted and a little bit more of an outward processor. I was like, I'd like to invite some people to 
be a part of a teaching team to, to help critique the weekends and, and dialogue about these scriptures and stuff. So we started a, a teaching team back in January. So we'd been meeting once a week. And after one of our meetings in, in June or July, I can't remember when, I just, most of, the, most of the people from the team had left that morning. And, and I was talking, talking with Al and, and Mike. And, and I just began to open up to them. I'm like, guys, look, I, I, it kind of sucks to be a pastor sometimes because like, I feel like I've not only got to be good at, at, at doing the messages and worship and running the weekend service and, and pastoring people, all things which I love, by the way. But now I've also got to be good at business and real estate. And I'm like, I, I'm lousy at real estate. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have bought this condo in Kenner that we haven't been able to sell for like the last three years. You know what I mean? Real estate is not my thing. I, I'm not ever going to be on an infomercial 3 o'clock in the morning telling, telling you how you can get rich from doing real estate. I'll be the negative example that they use. But I, I just opened up to them that morning. I was like, I've I'm, I'm just been feeling so overwhelmed. I've been feeling depressed. I'm tired. And I, I feel like I'm trying to do all these things, and I'm not good at most of these things that I've added to my life. And, and you know what Al and Mike told me that morning? They said, said look, man, you're good at what you do. <laughs> like, God's called you to pastor and teach and, and do the church thing. And, and we appreciate that. And they encouraged me in that. But they said, when it comes to business stuff and real estate, we don't expect you to be good at that. And when you hit these things, let us take care of that. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know anything about that. Let us take the ball and run with that. And that meeting that morning, I don't know how special it was for them. But I walked away. I called Dana up. I was like, wow, I just had the most amazing meeting. I was like, these guys, they not only affirmed me in, in what God's called me to do, but they also took some of my burdens. They were sharing in the load. They, they said, look, you don't have to keep going like this. Now, I got to tell you, like, like Dina's story, I don't think that meeting would have happened had I not been getting together with Al and Mike for months leading up to that once a week. I mean, if, if, if I didn't have a platform to, if I didn't have a, some intentionality in my life to, get together with them on a regular basis, that probably wouldn't have happened. I'd have probably just kept carrying this stuff and trying to do it by myself. What I'm getting at here is that we've got to be intentional about relationships in our life. We've got to make space for them. We've got to, we've got to realize that that's important. And it's not like, I mean, I've never met with the guys on my teaching team, and they go down a list, you know, how are you? You're reading the Bible, you're praying, blah, blah, blah. But, but I know that I could tell these guys anything, and they wouldn't call me stupid. They would encourage me. They'd pray for me. They'd help me to get out. And that's exactly what I experienced that morning. And I, I, really, I really began to feel the, you know, a lot of the depression lifting off my life because I was just trying to carry this alone. It's interesting, we go all the way back to the opening chapters of the Bible. God creates the heavens, the earth, creates all these different animals, and then he creates man, and he tells Adam, go name all the animals. 
and I can see God setting this thing up because he's trying to not just get names for the animals. I think he's trying to get at something inside of Adam, and he's trying to have one of these moments of, of self-awareness with Adam where Adam will have a little light bulb moment. And Adam's going along and goes, look at this thing. What do we call it? Okay, we'll, we'll call this an elephant. Um, and this thing, aardvark, and, and we'll call this a squirrel, and, and we'll call this a cat. But you know what Adam realizes in all of this? He's like, I've noticed something, God, that there's two different kinds of elephants. There's two different kinds of squirrels. There's two different kinds of dogs. It, it seems like there's two different kinds of animals everywhere, but I've not found the, the, the matching side for me. Actually, God said it's, it's good that, for you to not be alone. And God creates Eve. And I love the picture there is that we find that before there's a fall, before sin enters into the picture, the way that humans were created from the beginning, back pre-curse, was we were created to not be alone. It is not good to be alone. And I don't think that just means husband and wife. I think that's the, the way we were created was to be in relationship with other people. We weren't created to do this alone. Now, we find in America, we got this rugged individual. We're probably the most individualistic country that has ever existed in the history of humanity. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You carve out your own destiny. You do this thing, you know, like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. (laughs) But that's not God's way. He wants us to live life together. So I may be sharing some of these stories you may like, like, Wow, that sounds awesome. I would love to have somebody in my life that I could confess my sins to, I could share my struggles with, I could encourage them, they could encourage me. I would love that. But how do you get there from here? (laughs) If you're in a place right now where you, you are isolated and alone, how do you get to that from here? Well, here's how. I'm just gonna share a few things. Number one, you gotta admit that having other people in your life is a need. You got to admit that you, I need other people. As long as you don't <laughs> admit that, you're, you're never going to get other people. That might sound kind of uh, elementary, but admit your need for others in your life. Second, pray. See this need and ask God to open up opportunity for you to begin living this kind of reality. You know, several years ago, when I first began to really see this, I mean, well, not first, but uh, I was down in Kenner. I'd been in Kenner for about a year working at a church, but I had no, none of these kinds of authentic relationships with other people after a year there because relationships take a while to make, okay? And so, but I, I really started realizing, God, I need other people in my life that I can do life together with. And so what did I do? I just started praying, God. I realize this is a need. I believe this is the way you created me, and I don't know how to get there. I have the slightest idea what human being I could have this kind of relationship with. But, Lord, would you open up the doors? Well, a funny thing happened about four or five months later. Uh, they, at our church, we, they were reshuffling the offices, and, and they offered me an opportunity to have an office kind of away from everybody a little because I played music. But it was a bigger office. The only catch was that I had to share it with somebody if, if they hired somebody else. And I was like, yes. Well, they hired somebody else, and we end up sharing the office, this guy named Peter. And, and it, was, it was really cool because we realized within a couple of days of talking that 
the thing that I had been praying for was the thing that Peter had been praying for. And God stuck us in the same office together. And all of a sudden, we found that, that several days a week, we would be talking about the things we were struggling with, our fears. Well, and sometimes we're just talking, encouraging each other. But I knew that f- Peter had become a companion that any time things were going south in my life, I could call him up. So pray. Third thing is acknowledge where this may already be happening and build on that. You may already have... Uh, now, now, this, let me tell you what I'm not saying this morning. If you realize that you have need for these kind of genuine, authentic relationships and maybe you met somebody while you were drinking coffee this morning and you're like, wow, maybe that's a person I can... Hey, look, I'm struggling with all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Don't do that, okay? (laughs) Relationships take time. But also, you might be able to discern right now where these relationships are already beginning to form. Maybe you've been coming to our Alpha course on Tuesday nights and you're you're beginning to uh, connect with some other people. Well, maybe that's heading down that road. Maybe in a few months you, you will get into a place where you can, you know, go a little bit deeper. You know, we, we did this thing a couple of years ago. Well, about a year and a half ago, uh, during the season of Lent, I encouraged people to try doing a Thai group. Uh, three is enough group, T-I-E. Uh, and so a, a Thai group is basically you get two or three people and you just plan on getting together once a week. There's not a Bible study. It's just to... Talk about your life and pray for each other. Real simple. You can do it anywhere. There's no leaders. uh, Real organic and simple and a little intentional. We've got people in our church that started doing that a year and a half ago, and they're still doing that. (laughs) They They made a little room in their life to experience community and relationships, and now they're doing actually, you know, part of what Dina, part of calling up Mary is they've been doing something like that. So that was the natural place. So just look for where you see this stuff happening. And finally, just keep your eyes open to what God is doing and be willing to respond. See, my heart is that wherever you're at in here today, that that you would experience the fullness of of being in relationship with Christ. And you're not going to do that on your own. We need other people. And I just pray that, that this church would would embody those things, that we would be a group of people that love one another, that that we encourage one another, that when we're struggling, we don't exclude each other, we don't ostracize each other, but we bring each other along. Because whether it's football or music or the church, those are the ones who get it when we understand that. Why don't you stand? Lord, I know this morning, even as I talk about this, that that it may be just a a completely foreign land to many people here this morning. This idea of of living the Christian life together, of not going alone. But God, I just pray by your grace, you would help us to to come out of of just an individualistic way of living, God. and, And we would begin to experience authentic community with other people authentic relationship. God, that we would stop trying to do life, Lord, whether our jobs or our families or the Christian life, we'd stop trying to do it alone, God, but we would join with other people who are on this journey. So God, just give us wisdom in the coming days on how that should happen. Lord, let our eyes be open to see the opportunities where you're already working in that. 
And we just ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if anybody needs some prayer up here, I'd be glad to get a few people around you and pray with you. Otherwise, go Saints. God bless. See you at Vineyard Fall for Art Saturday. Bye. Our lips with love divine.